0: Hi, this is Rabbi Dovi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham. Thanking you in advance for listening to the following Shi'or Torah. Hashem should give us great Siatat deshmaia because ahead of us we have a wonderful year and a tremendous potential of growth. And it's with that that we start with simana tava. When you take a really good look, there is a message that is embedded from the get-go, from the on-start. And this is the message that Hashem wanted to put into us right in the beginning of the Torah. You see, because in life, we have people that are giving their heart and soul to doing the best that they can do with their lives. But sometimes, we can go for many years believing and thinking that we're on the right path, and chas shalom. People could look back and find out that they were living a lie, but they were so convinced that they were with the truth and that they were onto something. There are no guarantees in life for truth, besides the life of Torah. And Hashem wanted to tell you this right in the first few words, right at the get-go. Bereshit bara Elokim. Take a good look at those words. Bereshit. The last letter is Taf. Bara, the last letter is Aleph. Elohim, the last letter is Mem. Spelled out, Emet. This is the Torah of Emet. These are the ways of Emet. If you're a person that's connected to Torah, you have a guarantee that your life is going to be a life of truth. You're going to live the ways of truth. This is the only guarantee for truth, a lifestyle of Torah. And this is something very important to know. Because today, we live in a society that so many times we're thinking that maybe we can cut corners. Maybe we can find ways of doing things that beat the system. Sometimes people think they're smarter than the Torah. Sometimes people think that they have better ways of doing it than the ways Hashem said to do it. Hashem tells us, I want to tell you a little secret. If all I wanted to do was give you the message that this is Torah of Emet, I could have simply put the letters Aleph, Mem, Taf in the beginning of the three words of Torah. Where I could have started the first word with an Aleph and the second with a Mem and the third with a Taf and right there showed you, ah, look! The first abbreviation spells out Emet. But yet, what did Hashem do? Instead of putting emet in the beginning of the first three words, he put it at the last letters of the first three words. In Hebrew, we call this sofe tevot, the last letters. Why did he put it at the end of the word rather than in the beginning? To teach you the message double time. That in the end, the truth always comes out. In the end, the truth is the only thing left standing. And after all our cheshvonot and all our brilliant ideas in life, we do end up finding out that at the end, Hashem and His Torah is always true. With this in mind, now that we have the truth and we started the year on the path of truth, we have to open our eyes to be very careful not to sway. And that's really where I'd like to go with this class today. This was a class that we gave this past Shabbat. We repeated on Mondays for those who cannot come on Shabbat. And for those who can come on Shabbat, I want to hear it a second time. Well, what can I tell you? You made the rabbi very happy. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. Nonetheless, I'd like to share with you, I think, something that's an incredible phenomenon. And I think that if we're going to get just this point, at a we got the essence of what it means to be a Jew. And that's why this is so important. Because if we miss this, we might have missed something of the importance of what Judaism is all about. So, ladies, open your hearts. I, I, I want to share this with you. If you take a good look, you'll see that when Hashem created the world, to everything that He created, he gave a commandment the words of the Gemara was a ma'amar a saying and through that which he spoke he created on every step of the way of six days of creation God created such a magnificent creation and everything he said happened exactly the way he said it and that's the reason why when it came the seventh day Shabbat Hashem rested You know, many people have this as a mistake. They think that Hashem rested because he worked six days and Kiviachol, he was tired. God doesn't get tired. And he doesn't need a day of rest and he doesn't need an off day. The reason why on the seventh day he rested is because in six days he did everything to perfection. And now on the seventh day, there was nothing left to do everything that was needed to be created for the world to be perfect was created in six days on the seventh day God rested because there was nothing left to do everything was already done perfectly and that's what Shabbat is about Shabbat's beauty is that it's a day that we cry testimony to God's perfection It's a day that's perfect. Shabbat is perfect. It represents Hashem's perfection, that this was a day that God had nothing left to create. Everything was already done perfect. This day He rested as of the demonstration of His perfection on the six prior days. And that's why on Shabbat, Shabbat is the most perfect day. It's a day that we don't ask for anything. Did you realize that? If you take a look at the Amidah, there's no requests. All week we're asking and asking, please give me this and give me Parnassan, give me health and give me Da'at and give me and I need and Shema Ko'oleinu. There's nothing in Shabbat. You know why we don't ask anything on Shabbat? Because to ask means that there's a lacking. To ask means that things aren't perfect. Shabbat is the day of perfection. Shabbat is the day that declares God's perfection. This is a day that we ask for nothing. Everything's perfect. Me'en olam haba, Yom Shabbat Menucha. Shabbat is like olam haba. It is bliss. It is perfect perfection. That's the reason why on Shabbat you're not allowed to do mila'cha. Mila'cha means an act to make something change. On Shabbat. There's nothing to change, it's perfect. That's why you're not allowed to do milachot on Shabbat. Because the concept of milacha is contradictory to the concept of Shabbat. Shabbat is God's perfection. Milacha means I want to make a change. No changes, leave the day alone. It's perfect, God's perfect. Everything in the world was perfect, declared on this day. But there was one creation, <laughs> Every time I say this over, I laugh to myself. One creation that God actually cried out spoke for it to be created, and it didn't listen to God. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the king of kings, the king of the universe, (speaking) Melech Malchei Amelachim, coming on one day of creation to create, and that which he's creating doesn't listen to the word of the way God said to create it. Unbelievable. What are we referring to? That's right. We're referring to the trees. This is fascinating, ladies. Hashem told the trees, etz piri ose piri. When God called out for the trees to be created, Hashem said very clearly, etz piri ose piri. I want the etz to be a piri I want the tree to be edible like a fruit. And I want that tree to make fruit that are edible as well. Meaning, when Hashem called out for trees to be created, He wanted that the tree and the fruit will both be edible. Not just edible. But the tree was supposed to taste like the fruit. And the fruit was supposed to taste like the tree. So guess what? If you're out of season, and you walk up to a fruit tree, and there are no fruit on the tree, you'd be able to bite into the bark, and it'll taste just like the fruit that it gives off. And that was Hashem's plan. And that's the way Hashem commanded the trees to be created. And what's amazing is at the end of the Pasuk it says, Vayihichen. And so it was. But in truth, so it wasn't. Because if you take a look at a few psukim later, when it came out to the actual creation of trees, you know the way the Torah describes the trees, the trees and their creation? It describes it as, it's peri, Tree that made fruit. Meaning, what was only edible? The fruit. But the trees didn't listen. The trees were not edible. Although God said he wanted edible trees and edible fruit, only the fruit was edible, the trees not. And the incredible question is, oh my gosh, how dare they? What a chutzpah! The trees did not listen to God. God told them one thing and the trees did something else. How could they do that? Rashi, right there on the Pasuk, etz peri ose peri, Rashi mentions that, yes, you're right, the trees did not listen, it was supposed to be tree and fruit edible and yet it was only the fruit that was edible and because of that Hashem wanted to punish the trees and then Hashem let it go Hashem decided I'll let it go until says Rashi later on when man came on the sixth day Adam Arishon, and Adam sinned the terrible sin then Hashem said wait If I'm already punishing Adam, I'm going to also go back and punish the trees as well. And the second question, ladies, we got to deal with today is, what does that mean? What's the connection between Adam's sin and the trees where, let's get this clear. Hashem, if you want to let it go, and not punish the trees, then why all of a sudden did you decide to now punish the trees when Adam sinned a few days later? And if you really wanted to punish them all along then why wait until Adam, you should have punished them right right away or let it go completely, one of the two but what would be the connection between Adam and the trees to suddenly decide to punish them? We got a lot of questions this week but they're good questions because this parasha demands depth. Bereshit is the type of parasha that is very difficult to think that we could just kind of skim through it and learn it on a light level. This parasha demands a lot of depth. So the simple understanding of such a parasha is really deep. So I'd like to go, ladies, this week a little deeper than usual. And Bezat Hashem, hopefully, come out with something that will give us a great light onto what's really going on here with these trees. So, why didn't the trees listen? I'd like to share with you an incredible chizkuni. The chizkuni was from the Rishonim, and he has a commentary on Bereshit, on Chumash. Bless you. The chizkuni writes that in truth, the reason why Hashem did not at first punish the trees is because they had a good intention of a calculation, a cheshbon. What was their good intent? The trees thought like this. They made a cheshbon. They made their own calculations. And they said, Hashem, you gave the world a beautiful creation and you gave us the magnificent Torah. What is the first mitzvah in the Torah? Multiply, make many. Continuity, continuation. The world must go on. So they must cohabitate and go on to generation after generation after generation. Hashem wants the world to continue. Says the trees, Hashem. One second, you want us to continue? You want us to actually do the mitzvah of pru or vu. If that's the case, then probably, you know what God really meant? He didn't mean for the trees to be edible. He only meant that the fruit should be edible. You know why? Because if people are going to start eating not just the fruit, but if they eat the trees themselves, there's nothing left to continue on. How will the next generation have fruit trees? If you're just going to eat the fruit, the tree sticks around. The tree continues to give off fruit year after year after year. That would make sense. Pru or Continue. Multiply. And go on in time. Says the trees, if that's the case, when God told us, et peri au' peri, that the tree and the fruit should both be edible, nah, he didn't mean that. I know what he really meant, said the trees. Obviously, when we say the trees, we don't mean the actual trees. We're talking about the Malach, the Tsar, that's over the trees, right? We know that the ocean has an angel that uh, kind of looks over it, and all the different nations have their angels. The angel that looks over the Jewish people is Malach Michael. We know that. We know that the Malach of Egypt was known as the Malach of Uza. That was the name of the archangel of the Egyptians. The archangel of Esav is none other than the Malachamavet himself. Very interesting. Maybe one day we'll talk about that. But anyways, the bottom line is the trees came up with a hijbon. The trees made their own calculation. We know what God really meant. This is what he meant. Because we want to do a religious calculation. They meant well they wanted to do a mitzvah the first mitzvah in the Torah how are we going to go on if you're going to eat the actual tree there's nothing left to go on so the tree says this is what God meant he meant really leave the tree just the fruit will be edible but not the tree itself says the chizkuni that because the trees meant well they were doing this in order to want to do the first mitzvah that's why at first Hashem was going to let it go But, says the Chizkuni, they were dead wrong. You know why? Because, writes the Chizkuni, Hayad Pashem Tiksar Is God's hands limited? You think God has difficulty with doing things? Even if you don't understand it, and even if it doesn't make sense to you per se, it gives you no right to change the commandment of Hashem. Just because you don't understand it? Okay. You have a question. God has his ways. Even on the things that you don't understand, Hashem has his ways of pulling it off and making it work and making it happen, even with his own commandment. And therefore, the trees were wrong. You don't make cheshbonot on the will and the word of God. If Hashem tells you that this is the way to do it, if the Torah tells you this is the way to do it, don't think you're smarter. Don't come up with these bright calculations. Don't try to figure out what you think is better. Just stick to what Hashem says. And they didn't. And because of that, eventually, they were going to be punished. That was the downfall and the mistake of the trees. Very interesting. So we understand now where the trees went wrong and why. But what does this have to do with Adam Arishon? and even more so why when Adam sinned did suddenly Hashem decide that he's going to punish the trees if you want to punish them because they made a bad illegal calculation punish them right away why wait till later so ladies let's go a little deeper now on this concept of what really took place in Bereshi maybe we should understand better what was the sin of Adam Adishon and we're going to find out that everything is going to add up beautifully. Listen to this. The Ramchal writes, and Derech Hashem, Ram Lutzato, and the Maharal Prague writes this idea as well. This is a very deep idea. It's going to sound simple, but if you go it over a little bit, you'll see that you can really go places with this idea. Because this idea touches upon the reason of creation and especially the reason for the creating of man, of Klal Yisrael, of the human being. Writes the Maharalmi Prague. Adam Arishon, when he was given to eat from the Etz Hadaat, he was given to eat from the forbidden. Adam Arishon, you know, Hashem gave him so much. Gan Eden, angels. Little snakes running around as butlers. All he had to do was just sit and learn Torah and just not eat from one tree. That's it. So what was his sin? How do you understand the big, bad sin of Adam Arishon? Says the Maharal, says the Ramchal, something fantastic. In truth, Adam knew exactly what he was doing. And when Adam sinned, He actually had an intention to do the sin for a bigger and better cause. You know what that means? That means that Adam made a great cheshbon. Listen to this cheshbon that Adam made. Adam says, wow, Hashem gave me Gan Eden. He gave me angels. He gave me everything I need and then some. He gave me bliss. And all for what? To conquer this tiny little challenge what this little obstacle of not eating from one tree you mean to tell me that such a small challenge renders such magnificent great reward like Gan Eden and 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 everything that came with it my gosh says Adam if a small challenge like this, with this little yitzel hara and a snake running around out there, that I could run away from him, I could talk him out of it. He's no big challenge, and I got all this for that? On a tiny challenge, I got so much reward. Could you, could you imagine how much reward I would get on a big challenge? Could you imagine that instead of the evil being on the outside, running around, and me easily being able to ditch him, being able to run away from him, being able to simply stay away from the bed, and I got so much good. Could you imagine if I take it inside of me, and it becomes part of me, where I can never run away from it. Where it's always there, constantly eating away at me to do evil. And if I could beat that monster, how much greater the reward will be. Could you imagine what I can get? And because of that, writes the Maharal, writes from Moshe Chaim Lutzato, when Adam Arishon ate from the forbidden, he actually said the Lashem Yehud he was doing it on purpose with full knowledge with full intent I want the evil to be inside of me my challenge will be so much greater to overcome and hence my reward will be so beyond belief Adam made an incredible cheshbon now it's very interesting when I brought this point out this past Shabbat in the the ladies class So Betty asked me a great question and I I want to bring it to the table because I realized when she asked it that this needs to be clarified. We need to understand that the reason why Hashem created the world in the first place was because Hashem is the great metiv. That means He is the great giver of good. Hashem created a world and put... People in the world just so that he can give them the best of all good which is represented by what we call Olam Haba the greatest reward possible for mankind for the Jewish people Hashem wants to give us only good he created a world and put us in it in order to be able to give us all and only good but because he is the God that is perfect because his ways are perfection, giving somebody something for free is not perfect. That's what we call in English a handout. Handouts are not perfect because they come with it embarrassment. It comes with it all types of bushah. So Hashem says, I wanna give you the most perfect reward in the most perfect of ways. How do you give somebody the most perfect reward in the most perfect of ways? You allow them to be challenged, and then you let them earn it. Uh Aha. So now that you passed that challenge, I'm giving you the reward for passing the challenge in a way that you're comfortable taking it. Because you know you earned it. At the end of a long work day, no one has any embarrassment of taking home their paycheck. I worked for that. I earned that. I feel good about taking that. That's my money. I worked for that. Hashem says, beauty, I'm going to give you the best reward in the most perfect of ways, in a way that you can earn it. And like this, Hashem was the giver of all good, which was the reason why he created this world in the first place. If that's the case, Hashem wanted to give Adam the greatest of all good. And Adam felt that the minor challenge wasn't big enough for him to feel good about the reward that was coming. I want a bigger challenge, and with that, the bigger the challenge, the bigger the reward. No pain, no gain. But the bigger the pain, the bigger the gain. Adam knew that when he was eating from the etz hadat, he was eating from the sin with intention. He actually planned this out. I'm to come up with a better plan than God's original plan. You hear that? This is the sin of Adam HaNishon. I'm going to do it better, God. You had a great plan for me. And it was perfect. But I have a way of making it better. I have a way of doing plan better than you. And therefore, Adam I mean, no, ladies Adam didn't look down on his plate. He didn't see what he was about to eat? Didn't he know that this was forbidden? Even if we go with the Gemara, that the Gemara tells us four or five different options of what the forbidden tree, the Etz hadaat, was all about, well, we know it wasn't an apple, right? We got that pissed, right? Sorry, Mr. Jobs, it is what it is. It, it, it wasn't an apple. But what was it? So the Gemara says maybe it was grapes. The Gemara says maybe it was wine. The Gemara says maybe it was wheat. And it was such a tall stalk of wheat... That will look like a tree, and that's why it was called Etz. Etz Hadat. By the way, the Gabbana says something very interesting. The reason why they called it the tree of knowledge is because every baby receives its first dose of knowledge upon eating its first wheat-based food or cereal. The child's brain begins to develop upon its first eating of a wheat-based Food. That's why bread is so important. It's knowledge. It's hadat. It is a wheat stalk that brings knowledge. That's why they called it it's hadat, according to one portion of the Gemara. Amazing. So whether it was grapes, whether it was wine, whether it was wheat, whether it was tamarim, the Gemara says maybe. Al pisod, we're going to find out maybe it was something else in a moment. But whether, whatever opinion you're going to, at the end of the day, Adam, He saw on his plate that there was the forbidden. His wife just brought him a cluster of grapes or a cup of wine or wheat. Whatever it was that he wasn't allowed to eat was sitting in front of him. So why did he eat it? He knows you're not allowed to eat that. The answer is he ate it on purpose with a bigger and better plan in his mind. God, I have a better plan. I'm going to get more rewards. Because I'm going to have a bigger challenge now, ladies. You know we say that it's not a joke. Rashi says it's black and white. Once Chava, once his wife, ate from the forbidden. Why did she give to her husband to eat? (laughs) Every wife knows this answer. I don't have to tell you. I only tell this to you. You know the ladies know the answer to this. Very Rashi says it. Rashi says because she knew once she ate, Hashem said the day you eat you're going to die. So she says I'm going to die. He's going to go marry somebody else. Oh no. He's coming down with me. Yeah, Rashi says it. Unbelievable. Rashi says she gave him to eat because she would not have it. This was the first time that any woman said, over my dead body, over my dead body, that I'm going to go and he's going to go and marry someone else? Nothing doing. If I'm dying, you're dying with me. What's that? That's a good question. At first, he looked at all the animals and he saw that there was no, that there was no mate. Yeah, I'm assuming that. Yeah, maybe Hashem would have uh, uh, pulled another limb. You know, I, I don't know, uh, another rib. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't, know. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. Wasn't two Well, I could only go with that's a there's a midrash, but I could only go with the Gemara. The Gemara tells us in the ninth parak bin Benachod that there are two mandi amrim, there are two rabbis that argue. One, say, one says, rather, that she was taken from the rib of Adam, and one says that actually she was a Siamese twin attached to the back of Adam, back-to-back, back, where they were... In the days of Dr. Doolittle, they called me a push-me-pull-me. You don't even know what I'm talking about. This is from back in the 80s. But anyways, they, they had him go like this, where they were attached by the back, and they had two heads, one body, and the rest, basically, you can imagine what it, you know, what it looked like. And the Gemara calls this du par 2 faces, one body, two faces. So according to the Gemara, either... She was taken from his rib and created as a woman in herself, in her own right. Or they were actually started as one body, and then Hashem decided to split them, to actually separate, separate them, exactly, to separate them. Which, by the way, that's a, a great uh, Shalom Bayit speech, if you have one to understand. Husband and wife actually was created as one, literally, And then Hashem separated them because now each one is able to feel the other like their own self. It was designed that way brilliantly in order to give husband and wife a literal feeling that each one could feel the other's pain as their own. No other animal do we find this there was no other creation that male and female was created as one and God separated them the only creation that was created see it's good you came back, this we never mentioned it's the only creation that was created as one being and separated later on was only Adam and Chava according to that opinion in the Gemara and the reason was for Shalom Bayit because it's amazing this is not part of my speech but once he threw me there the lioness she goes out to hunt. But who does she hunt for? Herself and her cubs. Not her husband. She does not feed her husband. The lion has to pick himself up after yawning all day and he has to go out and he has to fend for his own food. By the animal kingdom there is no feeling of nurturing or support between the male and female species. It doesn't exist. You know Why? Because they were created as independents. Independently created. The male was the male, and the female was female. By human beings, is the only species in the world that male and female has such a feel for each other that they literally can bond as one. And the reason is because they were created originally as one. And then they were separated. It's a brilliant plan by God in order to be able to set up the concept of marriage later on, that it should work in a real way. This is not my speech. Anyways, but the, 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 the point we're trying to come back to is, and that is the great, or so to speak, what he thought was the great plan of Adam Arishon. Adam thought he had a better plan than God. Hashem, you want to give me reward? You gave me this little challenge in order that I should deserve the reward so you'll give me reward in the most perfect of ways I have a better plan I'll up the challenge by bringing the evil inside of me now I can't run away from it now wherever I go it goes now it's a part of me it's a much more difficult opponent to fight and if I can beat it even in such a height of strength then I'm going to get the greatest of all chasmatic reward that you could ever imagine This was Adam's cheshbon. He thought he had a better plan than God. And if this is the case, ladies, now you begin to see the genius in Rashi. Now Rashi makes sense. Rashi tells us that originally Hashem wanted to punish the trees. Hashem at first said, I'll let it go. But then later on when Adam sinned, Hashem says, wait, I'm going to punish Adam and the trees. We said, "What, what do the trees have to do with it? What do you mean? It was the same sin. The trees introduced this idea to the world, this infected idea, that they actually started making cheshbonot. They made calculations thinking that they have a better plan than God's commandment. Thinking that they knew better, with a good intention, but yet, don't make cheshbonot on God's word. Hashem tells you to do it, that's the way you do it. And sure enough, it didn't stop by the trees. Oh boy, not just the trees messed up through their cheshbonot, but even Adam, the worst of all sin, the sin that brought death to the world, was the sin that was based on cheshbonot, on calculations, thinking that we have a better plan than God, a better plan than Torah, and because of that, Death was brought to the world. Hashem says, I was going to let it go, trees, but now that I see that your mistake is starting to spread, I have to, so to speak, put my foot down and punish not just Adam, but punish the trees as well. And where do we find the punishment of the trees? In the punishment of Adam. Hashem punishes Adam that he's going to have he's going to have to work hard Adam is now going to be no longer immortal, but now he becomes a mortal. death comes to the world and he's going to eventually expire, which one day we're going to talk exactly what was the genius behind this plan, but nonetheless, Hashem also punished the trees Arur Adama, God said cursed is the land where till now the land, the trees, the fruit, the vegetation was able to come up on its own. It didn't need anyone's initiation. It didn't need farmers. It didn't need work. It didn't need anything. Now, because you made Cheshbonot, because you thought you could do it better on your own, now you're on your own. Genius. He didn't throw the trees yes, out he? Yes, he, he, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Because they're not exactly what to throw. You know what I mean? It's not like, you, you know. But at the same time, Adam, the message was that just like the trees try to do it their way, so midah k'neke midah, now every tree that's planted is going to have to be worked on on its own. It's not automatic anymore. Now you're on your own, so to speak. So to Adam. You thought you had a better plan? Now you're on your own. Not God forbid to the extent, because Adam did Teshuvah, but he was also thrown out anyways, this is the connection between the sin of Adam and the trees ladies, here's the good news the good news is that we asked a fantastic question at the beginning of the class and the question was Hashem said to the trees I want the tree and the fruit to both be edible at the end of the Pasuk it says hi and so it was and we asked, wait one second and so it wasn't Like Rashi told us, the trees didn't listen. Like we see in the next Psukim that the Pasuk says, The trees weren't edible, only the fruit. And we explained why. But one second, what do you mean And so it was. And the answer is, says the Midrash, and the Zohar HaKadosh talks about this as well, that from all the trees that Hashem commanded this great commandment, although they all did not listen, there was one tree that listened. And which tree was that? The Etrog tree. The Etrog was the one tree that actually listened to Hashem's word and when the Etrog tree came out both the tree and the fruit were both edible. Etzpiri osepiri And therefore when the Pasuk writes Vayihichen and so it was it was referring to the one tree that actually listened the etrog tree. This etrog was so beautiful in Hashem's eyes because this etrog didn't make the cheshbonot of all the other trees. You know what the etrog actually did? The etrog tree said, even if I don't understand what God is saying, even if I think I have a better plan and a better cheshbon, and even if I think I can do it better, but you know what? Hashem said like this, I'm going to do it like this whether I understand it or not I am going to do the way Hashem said to do it this is why this etrog became the fruit that is so dear to us this is the fruit this is the etrog that the Torah commands us right after Rosh Hashanah right after Yom Kippur right after the great days of judgment the first thing we reach for is what? the lulav and the etrog and we bring it together and we shake it and we remind Hashem as we do the Nanuim up and down and side to side what are we showing Hashem? We're showing Hashem remember the etrog because not only the etrog said na'aseh benishma we the Jewish people also said the only nation to say na'aseh benishma just like the etrog Hashem didn't make calculations like the other trees it did what you said to do regardless if it made sense or not to it so too we the Jewish people by Matan Torah we accepted your Torah na'asev and we didn't ask you what's written in it we didn't ask if we can do it or not we did it simply because you said so no calculations no hashbonot. that's why the etrog is actually the fruit that is the symbol of the Jewish people that Trog said, Naasev so did we. And ladies, I want to tell you something very special. To me, this is really taking it a step deeper. But if you want to hear something beautiful, this is something that's special. We all know that Adam Arishon's sin was actually fixed, it got the tikkun it needed by one point in history, by Matan Torah. By Matan Torah, when the Jewish people went to accept the Torah, they reverted back to the status of Adam, Adam Arishon, before the sin. And at that moment, death left the world. The Jewish people, by the Matan Torah, by Harsinai, when they were going to accept Torah, they were going to live forever they were supposed to at that point just take Moshe Rabbeinu, go into Israel he was going to be Mashiach and that was going to be the end of the chapter forever they lived happily ever after that was it that was the plan how is that? what happened by Matan Torah exactly that was able to fix the sin of Adam Arishon? how is it that by Matan Torah they became the status of greatness of Adam Arishon before his sin? but now it makes a lot of sense because we explained that the sin of Adam was what? that he made the calculations he had a better plan he came and he ate from the fruit of the forbidden on purpose thinking that he'd have a bigger challenge and bigger challenges is bigger reward Adam, you're not allowed to make those you're supposed to follow Hashem because ultimately Hashem is perfect and his plan is perfect you can't get better than what Hashem in the Torah tells you to do Even if you think you know better. And sure enough, when did they rectify the mistake of Cheshbonot? When was it that a people, a nation, came along and did something for God without Cheshbonot? They did it only because God said, that was Matan Torah, we said Naaseh V'Nishma. At the moment we said Naaseh V'Nishma, we actually fixed the sin of Adam Arishon. It wasn't even at the point that we accepted the Torah yet. Before that, when God asked us, do you want to accept the Torah? We said, Na'aseh ve'nishma. At that moment, Hashem says, that's it. This was the moment that all of history was waiting for. That Na'aseh ve'nishma just brought tikkun to Adam Ha'rishon's sin. Hashem threw the death out of the world. And you know what else He did? Hashem took out of the Jewish people at that moment, the Yetzirah, we no longer had inside of us the Yetzirah anymore. Now the Yetzirah went back to his position like by Adam Arishon before he sinned, on the outside, like the snake running around. And that's why by Matan Torah, how did he get us? He came along Yetzirah with a hologram of Moshe Rabbeinu in the air floating on a deathbed, telling the Jewish people, look, Moshe Rabbeinu is dead! You know why he was on the outside? You know why he was showing us images? Because he was thrown out from the body of man. We went back to Adam Arishon. We had no sin in us anymore. No evil in us anymore. And sure enough, how did we sin by the Egel? We did the same <laughs> mistake all over again. We literally did the same Avon, the same Averav Adam Arishon. We were so close! We had it going! We fixed Adam and the sin! It was done. No. Comes to Egel. We started making Cheshbonot. When he said 40 days, did he mean 40 days and 40 nights? Did he mean 40 days in the next morning? Did he mean until Chatzot? Did he mean the first three hours in the day? Is he really gonna come back? Don't we need an intermediary between us and God until Moshe Rabbeinu does end up coming? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Guys, no Heshbonot. Moshe said he's coming back after 40 days. Hashem says that we need nobody but him. Stop making these crazy calculations. Stop coming up with your bigger and brighter plans. Just listen. Follow Hashem with an emunah, with a bitachon, that Hashem is perfect and His word and His ways are perfect. But we made the Heshbonot all over again. And where did those cheshbonot bring us to? just like by Adam the Cheshbonot brought him to eat from the forbidden by Matan Torah the Cheshbonot brought us to create the forbidden and that was the Ege and sure enough we went right back to Adam HaRishon and the sin and since then 2,000 years plus and we're waiting till Mashiach comes that we're going to slaughter the Yetzir Hara from within us and go back to fixing the original sin of Adam the sin of Cheshbonot there's going to be a moment very soon ladies that we're going to be challenged to say and Ishma again and those that are going to stand up like the Etrog don't make any plans of Cheshbonot just follow the Torah follow the Rabbis follow Hashem and just say and V'Nishma that's going to be the moment that we're going to get the coming of Mashiach and at that moment, death is going to be thrown from the world. At that moment, the evil inside of us, the etzerah inside, is going to come out again, and he's going to be slaughtered this time. That's going to be the great day we're waiting for. The day of the etrog. <laughs> and that's why this, the war of Gog and Magog is going to take place on Sukkot, what rabbis tell us. The Navi says it the war of Gog and Magog, the war that's going to usher in the coming of Mashiach is going to happen on the holiday of Sukkot because the holiday of Sukkot is the holiday of the Etrog it's the holiday of Nasev and Ishma it's the holiday that stands for the theme that's going to fix Adam Adishon once and for all, Galut is going to be over and the Jewish people are going to be able to enter Gan Eden Olam Haba, the way the original plan was meant to be the real plan not the Adam plan. So let me just end off with a cherry on top. This is the first time in a long time I've ever given a class without telling a story. That's pretty cool. Anyways, but I just want to mention, though, I just want to mention, but this stuff is so deep. It's, it's, it's beautiful to hear. And I, I really wanted to do this with you this week. the Hashem, next week we'll go back to the regular speeches. But the bottom line is, an amazing idea. And let's just end off with this. So what was the Etz Hadat? What was it? And I, I tell you the truth. There was a young lady in class at Shabbat that mentioned a great idea and I wanted to bring it out on this point. If this was so serious of a sin, shouldn't Hashem give Adam the heads up? Hey, Adam, listen to the commandment I'm telling you and don't make cheshbonot. should trying to give him a warning? He's going to mess up history for the next 6,000 years. Shouldn't he give him a warning? The answer is he did give him a warning. Are you ready for this? This is amazing. What was the hadat? So we mentioned already the Gemara says, different opinions in the Gemara. Grapes, wine, tamar, chita. By the way, ladies, we mentioned in the class that that's the reason when two people come and they raise a glass of wine, what do they say? L'chaim! you know why? because according to one opinion the etzada was wine and that was the wine that brought death into the world so when we drink Lechaim together on wine we say Lechaim this wine shouldn't God forbid bring what the last wine brought but it should bring life to the world Lechaim I wanted to mention maybe and that's also why when we pick up the little glass of whiskey we say lechaim. because according to another opinion the etzada was heita, wheat and it comes from you know whiskey and hops and and the good stuff. Okay, anyways. But, what was the etz? So the Gemara told us its opinions. But you know what the Zohar HaKadosh writes? The Zohar HaKadosh writes, and this is the Midrash, they write that the etz hadat was the Etrog tree. Wow. wow. How? How is that? There's a proof in the Pasuk that's beyond reproach, in my opinion. Um, not anybody's fair, am saying, but... If you see this, I don't think you could really get out of this one. This is an amazing proof. The pasuk says that when the woman was going up to the forbidden tree, the etz hadat, and she was about to eat from it. Listen to the words of the pasuk. And I brought a few. <laughs> the woman saw kitov that the tree looked good to eat. Hey, 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 wait one second. The tree looked good to eat? The Pasuk should have said, What is this? That the tree looked good to eat. There was only one tree that was edible. All other trees, their bark was not edible, only their fruit. But this tree, the tree itself was edible and sure enough she saw that the tree was good to eat that could only be one tree only that trunk nothing else nothing else had a tree that was edible so why did Hashem do this? this is wild the one tree that listened the one tree that said and that's the tree that you literally subpoena. And you quarantine and make that the one tree that you can't touch or eat, and everything else you can eat from, I gotta do it the other way. If I had a class of kids and I teach as a Rebbe in a high school and I say something to the class of guys and everybody goes against the Rebbe except one tree. One tree. Guess <laughs> what? Well, sorry. I got one guy. Right? And sometimes these guys behind I mean, 12th grade they look like trees. They make the Rebbe look like a dwarf. Hey, I go one guy. One guy. And I turn and this is the one guy that listened. And he's going to be the one that I'm going to actually kind of punish and everybody else is going to be... What's going on here? The answer is a genius answer. The answer is, because the Etrog was the only tree that listened. But how did the Etrog listen? It demonstrated an amazing message to man. And that was, all of the trees meant cheshbonot. All of the trees came up with brighter plans, thinking that they had a better way of doing things. Comes the Etrog tree, and this was not and ishma. Hashem says, yeah, I'm going to have to showcase that tree. Every time Adam looks at that tree, the forbidden tree, that he can't eat from, and thinks that he has a better plan, let him look at the Etrog and remind himself of the Naasev and Ishma. Remind himself, don't make better plans. Don't think that you have brighter ideas. When the Torah says something, do it. When the rabbis tell you that this is the way of Torah, this is da'at Torah, let's not think that we have a better plan. Because at the end of the first three words of Torah, Bereshit bara elokim, there are the Sofet tevot emet. Basof, the Torah, Hashem's ways are always emet. They're always the best plan, not just the perfect plan we should take to heart the message of the Etrog and to remember Chlal where we're the Naasev and ishma people the day is coming if you see what's going on in the world and if you see what's going on right now in America and what's about to happen now in the United States it's amazing what's going on in front of our eyes we're going to come to a moment of Naasev and Ishma'. let's be ready for it we're going to grip the Etrog and remind ourselves, like Adam's reminder, that this is the way out finally, to be mitaken, the sin of Adam Arishon, to finally be able to bring the Geulah back to Gan Eden, get the Yitzit Hara out of our bodily beings, them in a time that Mashiach will finally come. Thank you for listening, lady. Thank you for listening. This is Rabbi Divi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham. Please tune in every week on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Have a great week. Shabbat Tov.